my book is called Fearvana, like fear and nirvana uh, molded together as one, using fear as an access point to bliss and even enlightenment. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Strategy Show. I'm Simon, your host. This episode is brought to you by Strategy Sprints. A strategy Sprints with only one thing, strategy in sprints. Strategy means improving your monthly revenue and gaining massive market shares. In sprints means doing it with fast execution in very small project cycles so that your teams get motivated because they can celebrate progress every week. And that gives, again, energy for the next sprint. What we're trying to do here in the show is to bring you the best knowledge from the best people who lead their field. Today, I'm really honored to have here Akshay Nanavati. Hi, Akshay. Hey, buddy. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. It's so great to have you here. We can learn so much from you regarding entrepreneurship, regarding turning fear into opportunity, and also, you won't believe these people, Akshay got endorsed by the Dalai Lama. So the first thing that I want to ask Akshay is how did you do it that your book, Fearvana, got endorsed by His Holiness? Yes, as you might imagine, it was a tremendous honor to get that endorsement. So the way I made it happen, you know, when I first wrote my book, my book is called Fearvana, like fear and nirvana uh, molded together as one, using fear as an access point to bliss and even enlightenment. So it's a very spiritual concept. So I thought to myself, you know, who's the most spiritual person I know, who's the sort of leader in the spiritual world that could add validation to this book? Because I was an unknown author, no author, no uh, brand, no platform, nothing, right? It's starting from scratch. And so I thought the Dalai Lama, he's the kind of leader of the spiritual world. But as soon as that thought entered my head, I immediately said, no, who am I? There's no way. I could never make that happen. And you know how we do that, right? We defeat a thought. We defeat something before, it's, before we even attempt to make it happen. And a lot of people have asked when, you know, how I made this happen. And the, the, one of the things that shocks people is, oh, I didn't even think to ask. I was like, exactly. <laughs> if you don't ask, you're not going to get what you want, right? So I kind of shut down that thought. But then a little later, I thought, you know, why not try? What's the worst that could happen? I get a no, and I'm exactly where I'm at anyway. So I decided to try. So I reached out to the uh, office website for the office of, the Ho of His Holiness, and that kind of got me nowhere. So I did a lot of research, and I found one name and one email address for a monk in the Dalai Lama's office. I reached out to him. He connected me to like one other person, one other person. So now three people later, finally we're here. And so I shot a personal video for him sharing my journey, my struggles, the, all everything I've endured the pain I've been through in life and how I got out of it and what we want to do now with Fearvana, the impact we want to make, all the profits from the book are going to charity, so the causes we support and the big picture for Fearvana. And so I, wrote, I shot a video for him. I wrote a letter to him. And, um, and so this monk said, you know, we got everything. We'll, we'll, ch we'll check your stuff and we'll get back to you. So a few weeks later, I don't hear back, right? So now in my mind, I'm thinking they hate me. They do not like my book because at this point, I don't have any reviews for the book. You know, it's new. I don't even have it out there. So I thought there's no way. Like they're, they, they're ignoring me. So I filled with all that fear, that self-doubt, that lack of self-worth, that lack of confidence. But at this point in my life, and this is why I wrote the book, I've gotten really good at being with the thought being with the feeling, but not being defined by that feeling, not being defined by that thought. So I can notice a thought and not let that thought shape my actions. 
So I would, I would, I would notice, okay, I have this thought, but that thought is not real. Let me, let me keep moving forward on my mission anyway. So I followed up, I followed up. I built a relationship with this monk. I stayed in touch with him, connected with him. And after about five months of building relationships, so five whole months, just kind of persisting, staying in touch, connecting, just connecting on a human level more than anything else that made the biggest difference. This monk wrote me back saying, considering everything you've been through and your genuine desire to serve, I will press your case. And soon after that, you know, I, uh, I only asked for a one line endorsement, but I was really, really honored, really humbled, very blessed that the Dalai Lama wrote the forward for my book. And, you know, personally, of course, it's a huge blessing, but as you can imagine, it marketing wise, it changed the marketing of the book, especially for an unknown author with no audience and no platform, right? It changed everything. So powerful. And there is so much to unpack from there. I was thinking <laughs> about myself and in so many situations where I just wanted something, but I didn't ask. ask. <laughs> and in entrepreneurship and the people who are listening to us right now, they are entrepreneurs in entrepreneurship. There is so much beliefs and implicit expectations and implicit assumptions that we have. But what about constructing our reality? What if this is just in our head between this ear and this ear and we can just find out if the assumption is correct or not? It's the scientific method really. And, and if we, if we validate or invalidate the assumption. And as we, as we said before, we can make a long list and then say, okay, 100 will say no, but I am going to ask. Yeah. What's the, cause if you don't ask, the answer is always no. And usually we get trapped in our heads, right? When we don't get the response, we think certain, we do mind reading, right? We think, oh, they're ignoring me, but you never like often when now I've gotten a lot of media, I've been really blessed with a lot of media for Firavana, you know, fast company, Inc, Forbes, uh, entrepreneur.com, stuff like that. So, and when I reach out to media people and podcasts, sometimes I won't hear back for two weeks. And at the start of this, I used to think again, they probably ignored my pitch. They probably, uh, you know, don't want anything to do with me, but almost always, if I follow up almost always, they're just like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. I was really busy, but yeah, I would love to have you on the show, you know? And it's just, <laughs> we get caught up in our own head about what they might be thinking, but we don't know what they're thinking. But for many of us, that thought feels like a reality and we have to, recognize it's just a thought it's just a feeling but we're not our thoughts we're not our feelings we are the thinker of our thoughts and the feeler of our feelings there's a space right and we have to recognize that space and choose to move forward on our mission regardless of the thoughts and the feelings totally also when i was reaching out for you i had the same feeling that he would never <laughs> answer he's so busy <laughs> and um, and this process of really seeing this as one mental construct that Absolutely. can be re-engineered, that can be reshaped. That's what I found fascinating about your work, where you are pioneering and having tons of impact worldwide. And this is something that I also experienced in, in, in my little journey as an entrepreneur, where mm. at the beginning I didn't have the, just the courage to ask because I didn't want to hear a no. Yeah. Then over time, now I, I reframe and I say, okay, just sent, meanwhile, I have one, I have four people doing that for me and reaching out and having this yeah. sheet, but it's a spreadsheet and I tell them, don't worry, send out 50 a day and 49 will say no, but one will say yes and one of them will be Akshay and one will <laughs> be and one, then the next one will be Tim Ferriss. 
So uh, don't worry, just ask. And uh, if it's relevant, if it's appropriate, they will say yes. Yeah. And what's the worst that can happen, right? So it's always about making the, I mean, to this day, I ask my friends for introductions to other uh, podcast hosts. They ask me and I've always said, you know, like I tell my friends, ask me anything. If I can help, I can. If I can't, I'll say so, you know? Uh, so yeah, just getting out. And, and to your point, you know, when you say about the perception is it's really important to recognize that we don't engage with the world as it is. We don't engage with reality. We engage with our lens of reality. So you might have somebody who's in the same exact situation right now and thinking the world is falling apart, everything is ending, my business will collapsing. Then there might be another person, exact same situation, looking at it saying, wow, these people are hurting. This is an opportunity to serve. This is an opportunity to grow. There are so many challenges right now, which means there's possibilities for new solutions right now. So two people, exact same situation, but the way they see the world is completely different, right? Because we're not engaging with the world. We're engaging with our lens of the world. It's like this. If you're wearing red glasses, the whole world will always be red. So it's always really important to look at what is your lens of the world and then creating and shaping a lens that empowers you, that moves, helps you move forward as opposed to breaking you, especially when times are hard. This is so powerful. Let me repeat this to really uh, grasp it. So we do not engage with the world. We engage with our concept of the world. Exactly. Our lens of our lens of the world. And most of us do not recognize that there is a lens. We feel like it is real. It feels as real as anything else. But we can make anything, we can shift our lens about anything, no matter how bad. And I'll give you a very concrete example. So as you know, I was, I was a United States Marine, served in the Marines. I went to war, went to Iraq. And when I came back from the war, I struggled with post-traumatic stress disorder, with depression. I was on the verge of suicide from alcoholism. And I struggled, one thing I struggled a lot with is survivor's guilt. I lost a friend in the war. Now, everybody told me, don't feel guilty. It's not your fault. And rationally, I get it. Rationally, I get you. The war happens the way it happens. You can't control it. But emotionally, it doesn't change that fact because guilt is ultimately an expression of love. But what happens with guilt? Everybody says guilt is a bad emotion. Nobody hears of guilt and thinks it's a good emotion. Emotions like guilt, fear, stress, anxiety, nobody, anger. They all say they're bad emotions. But what I learned is that that emotion is going to be there, right? But I can change my lens about that emotion. I can create a new relationship to that emotion. So ultimately what I did for a very long time, I put a picture of my friend that I lost in the war up on my wall, me and him together. And it said, this should have been you earn this life. And now my guilt became my fuel. So something that once drove me to alcoholism and on the urge of suicide, the same exact thing became my fuel to finishing my book. So the thing itself, the guilt itself wasn't the problem. It was my relationship to the guilt. And it's the same thing with the world. World is what it is, whether it be coronavirus taking over, whether it be something else happening. It's how we engage with that world and how we choose to create our own sense of reality through our lens of the world that determines how we, how we ultimately move through it and our experience of life. It's so interesting how much really is outside of our control and how little the things are that are in our control. But this one, this is in our control to make that list. Who do I want to be? What is my legacy? What, what do I want to honor and what do I want to bring in this world and to do mm -hmm. with my resources, with my resourcefulness? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and then just to act upon it. And you said so beautifully to detach from all the feelings and all the yeah. packages that we have around that and just do it and just do one step after the other yeah
You want to make your sales more repeatable and reliable? Do you want to have less volatility and more growth in your revenue per month? At Strategy Sprints, we do only one thing, strategy and sprints. Strategy means having more revenue through a better offer. And sprints means having more energy in your team every week. Check out if your ROI is as high as it is for most service-based and online businesses and startups we work with, which is over 100%. You can see it in just 15 minutes by going to strategysprints.com sales and completing our online exercise to know what your ROI would be with our accelerator program. We are ready to sprint. Are you? I was such a, a bad soccer player. When, when I was a young man in Italy, uh, we, we, we would play soccer, of course. Everybody would. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was technically um, quite, quite okay, and I was engaged every day. I was playing for hours. There was one moment, though. I was thin, like I am now, and, um, and there was one moment, though, when I, I would work myself to the front to, to just for the goal moment. And then, and, and, and now you have this one and a half seconds, two seconds to the impact zone. Now you have mm -hmm. realized the goal. In that moment, I would be afraid. I would mm -hmm. be so scared that I wouldn't realize the goal, even if I was technically capable. But I was, think, I was thinking, oh no, now this defense player will cut through my legs. This is the moment I have to give away the ball to somebody who is stronger and I would pass to somebody and then they would realize or not. But my coach would say, can you stop be in your fear? Can you overcome this fear? And he was completely right. But at that time, I couldn't. I didn't know how to do it. And, and so I stopped playing because <laughs> I, mm. I wasn't that good. Mm. I don't know, it was 20 years later, 25 years later, where I said to myself, do you really want to have this picture of yourself that you are weak, that you yeah. are bad? Or do you want to become strong? Do you want to overcome that? And then I started running. And then when I did my first triathlon, and it was a very small triathlon, a sprint triathlon, but okay. then awesome. it changed. Myself yeah. changed. I said, now I am a triathlete. I can do this. Love it. And then gradually I went from sprint to the next distance to the Olympics, yeah. etc. But it changes in that moment when I said to myself, I am strong. And, and since there, I'm, I'm saying it every day in the morning to myself. Yeah. Of other affirmations. So um, how do you work the process uh, this this mental game. What 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 is your experience? Yeah, you know, there's so many uh, elements you touched on right at the end there. The affirmation. So one thing that I I do is I have this little book I carry with me everywhere that I call a spirit armory. And in fact, I have notes taped on my laptop, the side of my uh, little mouse pad here, taped taped on both sides that say it is like me too. So I actually learned this from an Olympic gold medal and went gold medal winning athlete who I learned this, this method from where you write, it is like me too, and you write, a sake, you write a way of being. So for example, one of mine here right next to me, it says, it is like me to chase perfection like an unstoppable machine in every area of my life. It is like me, it is like me to relentlessly pursue victory with laser focus 
meticulous attention to detail, uncompromising structure, and steadfast discipline. So you write these statements to remind you of who you want to be all the time. So if you're not being that, you can look down and then transcend this current self. You know, that's one way. And then there's kind of this duality, you know, you mentioned with the fear, like in this example, you want to, on the one hand, engage the fear. On the other side, visualize the positive. So it's not about just being positive all the time. It's about be engaging the negative as well. Both have value. And there's, the, there's a thing called power of negative thinking. So astronauts do this. What they do is, when you, especially when you go up in space, obviously you could die. The risk is huge. So what they do is they imagine every worst, possible, worst case possible scenario. And they prepare for it. So you actually imagining, so you're not just blindly, I think that it's a, it's a huge misconception in some of this self-help movement, just visualize everything going well. And that's, that's not how it works because things are going to go wrong. So instead of just visualizing everything going well, imagine all of all things that could go wrong. So if you're scared, what I always like to say is that fear propels you to prepare. If you're scared of something, engage that fear. Don't just run away from it. Engage it. What am I scared of? What's the worst case scenario? How do I prepare for that worst case scenario? You know, you, you really dig deep into the fear. So even writing a book on fear, I was terrified of writing a bad book. I was terrified nobody would read it. I would get a one-star review on Amazon. People would think it's garbage. Nobody would buy it. All this stuff. So I said, all right, I'm scared. Why am I scared? What am I scared of? What's the worst case scenario? How do I prepare for that worst case scenario? So I studied from good authors. You mentioned Tim Ferriss. I studied from him. Uh, I mentioned study from Jack Canfield, the chicken soup of the soul author. How do I write a good book? And I must have trashed like hundred, no exaggeration, hundred thousand words worth of work. That is months worth of work. But because I was scared of writing a bad book, I wrote a book worthy of being endorsed by the Dalai Lama. And I'm not saying this in an egotistical way. I'm saying the fear fueled me. It fueled me to work harder. It fueled me to write a better book. So engaging the fear, and then at the same time, while you're preparing for the worst case scenario, you're also visualizing the positive. So in your case, like if it's soccer, you know, visualizing yourself doing the move right. Every night, you can visualize yourself engaging that move, right? As an athlete too, I'm an ultra runner. I often visualize myself hitting a low when I, hit a, when I do like a long run, 50 miles, something like that, 100 kilometers, because I know I'm going to hit a low. You just can't avoid it. <laughs> it's going to happen. And, and, and anyway, you kind of want to in a way, that's why I do it. But <laughs> I visualize myself hitting the low and then transcending that low, facing that low. So visualizing is one tool, you know, uh, the, these affirmations are another tool, engaging the way you talk to yourself, getting more self-aware. But ultimately, I mean, everything you can do, you have to get out there. The only way to master your mind is to engage the fear, to train in fear, to experience suffering. You have to put yourself in places where you are uncomfortable and you know, you want to level up the risk one step at a time. So when I was a kid, I was terrified of Ferris wheels, Ferris wheels. I mean, everything, not even like roller coasters, Ferris wheels. I was scared. And now I jump out of planes. I climb mountains. I've climbed rocks. I do very dangerous things. I've been to war zones. So you approach your fear. You, you step into suffering one step at a time with the mindset that everything is an opportunity to train. You know, people often say things like, I'm bad at this, or I'm, no, I'm bad, I'm good, I'm strong or weak. People say things like, I'm strong or weak or bad, I'm good. What I like to say is, I mean, and that could be objectively true. Like, I could be weak at doing squats compared to somebody else, and maybe what my, what my, what my squat level should be for my weight. But what I like to say, the way I approach it in my own mind is, there's no such thing as weak, there's only trained or untrained. So I'm always telling myself, if something I'm, let's say, quote unquote, bad at, I'll just say, oh, I'm just untrained. Now, what does that do? That keeps a mindset of training. Oh, all I have to do is train. That, that kind of imprints the growth mindset. So I always say there's no strong or bad. There's no, there's no uh, bad or good or strong or weak. There's only trained and untrained. 
So these are some tools to get out there and train, but you got to go out there and suffer and experience the pain. There is just train the run train. Absolutely. If just every team could, could stop judging good and bad and say, all right, that's the score today and then we will train the score and make it 1% better next week. Exactly. 1% better. And you look at where those weaknesses are, you train those. Absolutely. It takes away all the stress and all the heaviness and say, okay, 1%, we can do that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's one of my, it is like me two statements. It is like me to get just 1% better today. (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. So strong. Actually, I'm so happy that you will be back next week on the strategy show because next week I want to explore your entrepreneurial side. You are building an empire with your foundations and with everything that you do. So I want to learn from you next week and to extrapolate all the knowledge and tools that you want to share with our community. So thank you for being here, Akshay. Thank you, my friend. And see you next week. Sounds good. Bye-bye. We all know that working in sprints is better, but how do we know what we should work on? You're in luck because we have a 15-minute exercise that will give you complete clarity on where to take your project next. Go to strategysprints.com slash sales to complete our short exercise and meet one-on-one with an expert sprint coach to identify your number one bottleneck. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed that episode of The Strategy Show. Make sure to like this video below and subscribe so that you can stay up to date with every episode of The Strategy Show. Get daily CEO tips from CEOs for CEOs.